Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast, and this is episode 95, uh, and I'm Simon Sweetman, I'm your host, and this is the, not quite the last one for the year, but uh, we're coming up to Christmas, and this is a chat with a guy called Gavin Rutherford. He is a Wellington-based actor. Uh, he does voiceover work, and, and um, you know you hear him on adverts. You hear him, you hear his voice all over the place, radio and TV. He's a TV and film actor, but I guess he's best known. His main thing is he's one of the the stalwarts now of Circa Theatre in Wellington, Wellington's main professional theatre. Um, but he's done, you know motion capture work and being an extra and being a supporting player as well as being the lead guy in performances and productions. Uh, we talked about how he did a lot of, you know, corporate entertaining and improvisation. He's this guy who, I've ad- I, this is my first time meeting him. I, I reached out to him to do the podcast because uh, I, I like his work and I thought his story would be interesting. I knew a little bit about him, uh, but mostly from watching him. And uh, yeah, so it was cool to talk to him. He's a guy who is um, well aware that to make a living in New Zealand in the creative arts you need to just grab what you can and do it so no job too small Um, hopefully the next job is the very big one and all of that and you just turn up and you do your work and you find your space for your passion projects when you can Um, so in 2018 he's uh, directing a play on the main stage of Circa which um, I got the feeling from talking to him that's that's a really big deal for him he's done a little bit of directing but this will be his 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 first time on on a big stage with a you know a big professional cast doing a, an important production um, so it was really nice to get to know him through this podcast and to have a chat and to find out how he's gone about this and 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 what it takes I mean he's a guy who who um, you know has not only met a lot of his acting heroes, he's ended up working with them. So um, I had a great old chat with him. Now he's currently in the Circa pantomime. We don't really need to plug that because it's completely sold out, but it does um, carry on through until early January. So I'm mentioning it because of that. But he's a he's a, a mainstay of the Circa pantomime. He sort of drags up every year and is the dame of the pantomime and. Um, and does a great job as that but um, there's a whole lot more to him than just that and you'll get to hear about all of that in this podcast um, my thanks to as always to Tea Leaf Tea, Le Pity Chocolat and, and Yeasty Boys our, our sponsors um, since we're getting towards the end of the year I want to thank previous sponsors of the podcast Lafare and Phantom Bill Stickers who were with us at the start of this year uh, I want to thank um, for uh, huge, huge support, uh, technical support, as 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 well as I guess emotional and philosophical support, Mr. Lofi Sheriff and uh, my wife Katie and and my son Oscar, who has to agree some days to go into after school care or to to you know hang out with his grandparents or, or whatever so um, yeah we try to make this work how we can get people into the house have a chat to them or I go and visit them and um, I'm really really proud that we're up to episode 95 and have, have pumped one episode out every week this year it's it's been a good year for the podcast I've loved all of these conversations and I hope you've enjoyed at least some of them so yeah here we go this is me talking to uh, Gavin Rutherford I've seen a fair bit of your work I guess particularly at Circuit but you pop up um on one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was you pop up on TV shows, films. Um, I know you do. I've heard your voice. I know you do voice work. Um, I imagine this is what one must do <laughs> as an actor. Like you've got to find work and you've got to go where the work is. But 
I, I, I want to kind of get to know to know you and why you do it, but also talk through yeah some of these different things you've done and, and how you found yourself at them. Sure. Well, I guess it was. Um, I trained at Unitech School of Performing and Screen Arts up in Auckland, mm. and um, had some great tutors at the time, and they're still around. Uh, Michelle Hine, uh, Raymond Hawthorne. Um, Murray Hutchinson was the head of the school um, Linda Cartwright voice tutor and that sort of stuff and they mm. drilled into us for the whole three years that you've got to have as many strings to the bow yeah. Yeah. to make a living you know yeah. I think day two I think Raymond or somebody sat us down and said if you can do anything else go and do it if you can go and do anything else and be happy go and just go yeah. and do it because you're not going to make a living you're not going to become famous mm. You know, two people may get consistent work out of the entire class. So they were really positive from day two. <laughs> does that scare anyone off? Oh, yes, it does. It, it does. does. Sort of at the end of the first year, yeah. you know, wheat yeah. from the chaff and all that sort of thing. But, yeah, um, yeah. yeah so I, before I, because I went to drama school uh, a bit late. I was 26 when I went, which I think was kind of healthy. Yeah. And before that, I had been, um, well, first of all, I went to, university and studied marine biology but it doesn't go straight to dolphins there's a lot of mangrove mangrove swamp walking yeah. and multi-celled yeah. organisms yeah and uh i kind of figured that that wasn't for me even though i love the sea and, and the beach and that sort of thing mm. and i just chucked out a bunch of cvs to people i was living in auckland at this stage um grew up north of auckland um and uh this guy called john haynes wrote me a, a letter from radio pacific at that stage, the talk of Auckland. Mm, mm. Uh, and so I ended up sitting behind the panel operator while um, the breakfast host was was talking and, and basically flicking a switch because they'd just bought this network down the country and this was trying to regionalise ads, very, mm. very beginning. And I, I did that sort of every seven minutes and listened, <laughs> flicked a switch and listened to the stuff. Mm. Um, and then just sort of went to different things, did audio engineering, did a little bit of, or a tiny bit of on-air stuff, but lots of commercial things and, and schedules and programming and that sort of, for about seven years, until the commercial realities of um, commercial radio just mm. started to darken my soul a little bit. Mm -hmm. I started to see red occasionally <laughs> with people... Um, and their attitudes, you know, capitalism. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm an old socialist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, I just sort of suddenly thought, no, I can't do this. And I'd always, I'd always done amateur dramatics and, you know, and that right, sort of thing. Right, right, yeah. So from back in the day, um, and I thought, well, I, I did a voice um, course, one evening course with a woman called Linda Cartwright, who's a wonderful voice tutor. And I sort of thought, oh, yeah, this would be... That's what we mean. So I mm. um, went and did that. At that stage, I uh, was married, had a house in Glenfield. Um, halfway through the second year of drama school, I had a kid. So um, my daughter, Caitlin. So that was um, challenging yeah, to be yeah, a drama yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, coming out of there and... Um, being, so that's, being, being told that you might not be able to yeah. uh, make enough to feed yourself when you've already got someone else to worry about. And a mortgage about. and yeah, all, yeah. holy... <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that sort of, I guess, spurred me to try and develop all sorts of things. I studied mm. the sort of, you know, on, um, technical side, directing, mm. writing and, and, um, voice work and, and that sort of put me in good stead and lots of opportunities have 
come my way. So you take as many gigs as you can, you know. You mentioned, um, we'll, we'll get into that, but just I want to go back. You mentioned growing up north of Auckland yeah. and, and, and having some interest in amateur dramatics. Mm. So um, is, was there like a kind of a eureka moment or a, you know, did you were you a kid that, did I Danced get my first around. laugh? Yeah, did you, yeah, 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 exactly. That's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's always the way. Um, I Not really a eureka moment, but it is a drug, getting a yeah. laugh and getting that yeah. sort of response and, and um, or getting you know a response mm. from an audience. It doesn't matter what you do, I guess. And I, I, at primary school, they used to do end-of-year concerts, and I think we... Were, our <laughs> class did... I think it was hit me with your rhythm stick <laughs> and a reenactment of that <laughs> with rolled up papers. Yeah, yeah. We weren't aware of the innuendo no, at all no, as no. eight year olds, but it's it, it a brave not, teacher to do it. And not the, much interpretation going on. None at all, just basically beating the crap out of each other in dance <laughs> format with rolled up papers. And the reaction from the audience then mm. for this two minutes of doing this song mm. or whatever was just like, what is going on? And that's probably what a lot of people who don't know what actors do think they just do in their spare time anyway. No, it pretty carry, much is. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. pretty much just <laughs> rolled up pieces of newspaper. Yeah, and looking for a laugh. Yeah, looking for a laugh. <laughs> well, and it's that sort of thing, I guess you grow up and you develop a personality type, whether you're a... I mean, I did sports and, and surf life-saving. I grew up in Whangaparaa, sort of north of Auckland, yeah. so lots of beaches, and and um, my dad was a big guy for football and mm. um so he was like the the local soccer coach and played rugby when I was 17 or whatever and um but then you develop a personality type whether you're a you know an intellectual or a thug or, mm. or and you know I just picked up one of those mouthy guys who cracks jokes <laughs> and and other performers in your family uh not really my um sort of uncle-in-law, if you will. Um, I didn't know him very well because he lived in the UK, but he mm. was a, you know, Guildhall-trained actor who um, worked for the Royal Shakespeare Company and that sort of stuff. His name's Martin Howells, and he's still, he lives in Christchurch at the moment and has been an um, artistic director of the Fortune Theatre. So right, I right. didn't, but I didn't know him yeah, growing yeah, up because yeah, no they only came over yeah, when yeah. he was about, you know. Um, my grandfather... We, he was a sailor, and but before they went to war, you know, World War Two, he and my grandmother were part of a film society in Nottingham, and they used to make silent movies. Hmm. And I can remember seeing them as a kid. Don't know if that's an influence, yeah. but they, that's that never really happened after, but afterwards. Yeah. But um, yeah, just seeing them, him as this, you know, romantic <laughs> sailor and the. Yeah. You know. I'm looking around at these uh, these posters where we are, and I'm thinking like, in New Zealand, particularly, perhaps more so than anywhere else, but the the whole um, you know size of us in isolation. You must w working in the field you do. You must uh, develop sort of you know some heroes, and then probably quite quickly you end up working with them. Or, yeah. Or, or, or oh, absolutely. That's, it's bizarre. Yeah, yes. It is bizarre. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if you had like you know even before you moved into into acting school and, and actually pursuing it, um, you know, was it bearing in mind that we had that whole kind of cringe thing going on a bit more then? But 
were there local actors that you were wowed by or you know absolutely I um my parents used to go to the Mercury Theatre in Auckland take us to the Mercury Theatre and I can remember seeing Paul Gittins George Henaday mm. those guys on stage um you know fabulous performances um and many different dramas and 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 comedies and those sort of things but mm. um I still get starstruck around George Hennady. Like yeah. I, I know him very well, yeah. and I still start to go. <laughs> and my my partner Gina says, "Like, why are you flirting with George?" Like, I'm not. I'm just. I'm just all flustered. I'm just impressed. Yeah, it's just. And he's a, a lovely, humble yeah. guy. But it's just, you still get those sort of, mm. you know, those throwbacks. And and certainly, I mean. I guess I've overcome the sort of after doing film and television and that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. Overcome the sort of all oh, they were on yeah. telly thing. Yes, yeah. Um, that you know, that's because I know that it's the job's a job, and yeah, you yeah. know, you're lucky. You, you know how um, distinctly unglamorous ninety yeah. percent of it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but it. certainly there are some you know appreciating fine performances and those mm. sort of groundbreaking things that you know we're sitting here at Circa and the um, the core group of actors that started this you know became mm. stars two years after starting Circa with mm. um, Gliding On and I can remember watching that as a kid and yeah, thinking yeah. that was the funniest thing since sliced bread and it's yeah. still really one of the few successful sitcoms that New Zealand's produced you yeah know? I remember I came here and interviewed Ray years ago mm. for a, you know for a print thing and I, you know and I'd seen him in a bunch of productions but that was the first thing I thought of when he came across the room to shake my hand to Absolutely. introduce himself. I was like, wow, I used to watch you as a kid. Yeah. And, you know, and I loved it. And, and it was a case of loving that show without understanding all of it. Yeah. You know, my parents liked it, yeah. and I got some of it, but I was too young to understand it all. Well, just, and, and, and I guess those sort of things that, it, like, I've <laughs> been back and had a look at some of the episodes, yeah. and just the, the, the ability of those actors to make a gag funny... Yeah. Even though the words weren't particularly funny, yeah, yeah, just yeah. in the cell, yeah, um, and the timing and the and the you know that sort of stuff is is something which is certainly a treat mm. to watch and mm. um, yeah. And then they went on to well, they're still working together and and so many of them in some capacity or another, well, yeah. but they've gone on to do so much here, yeah, and uh, and, and and across a few other things. Yeah. And I guess I guess that's. Um, I mean, you're, you're, we'll, we'll go into this a bit further and in a few different ways, but it strikes me that you're very firmly attached and entrenched in the Circa family yeah, now. And, you and go off and do other things, but... Yeah, and absolutely proud of it. I'm yeah. part of the Circa Council now, so I'm sitting there with these guys making decisions mm -hmm. and trying to, you know, make things better and mm. and to improve stuff all the time. It's sort of in, the, in a state of flux at the moment because... Um, well, it's it's just changing. There's like a there's mm. a handover going on, if you will, which is a a strange thing to say. But I guess that you know the the senior council members know that they are getting senior and are mm. trying to upskill people so that there's a continuation. Yeah, yeah. And that with that comes a change in policy as far as the pitching and how shows are produced at Circa. It's no longer that closed door mm -hmm. sort of this is a clubhouse thing. Mm. Now mm. we do a pitch process so anybody throughout the country, which I think is great because it makes our, our program so much more diverse. Mm. Um, uh, but that's sort of a challenging time for everybody to negotiate, you know, how much do we can we put on because we only have very tiny resources here. Yeah, so yeah. we don't have that infrastructure that other major theatres do because... 
I guess that is the sort of social anarchic yeah. model that Circa set up with, which has to change now yeah, yeah, yeah. because of that modern world um, and, and the things, the requirements that are placed on us. Um, there's, this ni- there's a nice thing about this theatre where not, and you know, I guess it's the same for most, not every show can be a complete hit. Um, it would be great if it was yeah. in, in many ways, but also I think this, this theatre has always embraced the fact that actually that's not just the point. Like, mm. yes, you need the big hit show because like any, like in any artistic industry, that can help you prop up those other things you do take take a chance on, but they do understand here the the role of experimental theatre and of short seasons and of taking a punt on things, you know. And that's part, I mean, that that is absolutely part of the philosophy as, mm. as far as, and developing new works and mm. bringing young people into yeah. the space to keep the different audiences coming through and different people coming through. The risk in that, however, is that they, they are risk-share productions. Yes. So, you, yes, if you have a big success, everybody's happy yeah, yeah, in that, yeah. you know, because people are making sometimes twice what they might make in another theatre yeah, yeah. just off the box office. But those higher-risk things need to be supported <laughs> by sponsorship yeah. and that yeah. sort of stuff because otherwise it's the practitioners that take the hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's part of the balancing act that yes. we're going through at the moment, trying to get those sponsorship opportunities in to support those mm. higher risk you know, the Anahira is played by em, uh, Emma Kinane oh, just one play. oh yeah beautiful yeah big yeah. high risk though yeah yeah um, and very challenging and did, did okay at the box office but yeah. didn't rake it in so the support that that was given mm-hmm. um, certainly made it worthwhile to all the practitioners mm. and then and the word of mouth around it like the critical yeah so it seemed to me that everyone that wrote about it wrote about it lovingly mm. one way or another because it was incredibly powerful yeah and 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 a unique so those yeah those sort of risks mm. need the support in this model mm-hmm. in other theatres the practitioners will you know receive the pay that they're offered in their contract or whatever this right. is, this yeah, is yeah. a risk share model so you do yeah. get the benefits <laughs> I guess that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I mean but I, I it's also when you are doing risky things I mean I'm fortunate enough to do a lot of work here but that uh, that helps pay my bills because we do get paid twice for that as well mm-hmm. at other theatres you just be on a wage. Mm-hmm for the time that you're there, but we get the opportunity two dips at the pot or right. two dips at the failure, yeah. depending on yeah, 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 how yeah, you yeah. want to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, before we... I mean, there's lots we can talk about with Circa, but before we get right into that, let's go back to you um, making this decision, this bold decision to not be a marine biologist. <laughs> and... <laughs> Because, you know, the world always needs more of them. Yeah. And probably needs more of them than it does actors. That is that's <laughs> absolutely true. So, um, but you turned your back on that and decided yeah. that the cheap laugh would be well, what you the, would, it, yeah, what you would that, pursue. It was, it, was, it was actually, yeah, it was actually more because, again, stuck in that middle class paradigm, I guess, of mm. going, I, I can't do, I can't go and be an actor because I need to earn a living and mm. things. And get a real job and you know mm. so I did the radio stuff before I made the choice to go to drama school and was on a you know I can remember my father saying when I when I said I'm, I'm gonna go to drama school I was 26 or whatever and he's like how much are you earning and <laughs> yeah. I was like $82,000 a year and that was sort of at that stage I think 10 grand more than he'd yeah. ever earned in any yeah. job doing something you know mm. still to me it's like oh gosh <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't bad um, but then, yeah, it's just that I I feel like at 26 I retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just 
mess around with my mates and you know <laughs> and I manage to pay the bills sometimes it gets very skint but I get yeah. just the opportunities that you have to do stupid stuff and every day is something different you know? so you haven't I guess sat behind a desk in some way or other since really well in saying that, no I haven't other than at the last AGM they made me treasurer of this yeah, place yeah, so gonna, there's well, a lot of blimmin desk work going yeah, yeah, on yeah, now sure but that's to that's to directly support <laughs> yeah um, something that you love and that is your primary yeah, job. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. right, so that's, and that that's takes the takes mm. the edge off the hand. But it's, but you didn't go back to what I'm saying is you didn't go you didn't go out of drama school and go and work in a shop. And well, no, I mean a play once a year for a few years. No. You just dive into. I, I did a lot of corporate entertainment mm-hmm. up in Auckland, being cowboys and medieval reenactment right. people yeah, yeah. at dinners, improv and, stuff, and yeah, that sort of thing. And, yeah. and meanwhile, spending money on making my own work. Yeah, you know, yeah, as yeah, you do, yeah. you hardly ever earn when you do yes. that. Yeah. Um, and then my wife at the time she got a job at the Ministry of Education. So she said, we're moving to Wellington. And I was like, oh, for f- I don't know anybody down there. I'm, oh, <laughs> I'm just getting, gee, I'm just getting, getting started up here. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, we came down here um, and I did more corporate entertainment, um, messed around with uh, some stuff of my own, set up a little office, which I couldn't afford to pay for, all those sort of things. Mm, mm. Um uh, and then I was doing something with uh, Heather O'Carroll, who's a good friend of mine who runs BATS at the moment. She's the program, I think it's called Program Manager over at BATS. Mm-hmm. And um, we were doing a gig, and she said, oh, they're auditioning for this play at Circa. You should get, a, get an audition. My friend Rachel Moore, now Rachel Henry, is directing it. Oh, you should get an audition. So I did, and I got it, and then I auditioned for another thing and got it, and then... Once people know you, work begets mm. work, you know, mm-hmm. begets, begets, I don't know. But, the, you know, the, you, you just keep, the more you do, the more people go, oh, yeah, that person. Mm. Mm. Um, and and you build up a brand around reliability, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and, probably and not one being of the key, a dick Yeah, as yeah, well. exactly. And, and, yeah, being a, a, a decent person to get along with. Well, hopefully. hopefully some, yeah, would, exactly. some would disagree, I'm sure. Sure, but, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's, that's actually sort of a key element to building yeah. your brand, isn't it? To, Absolutely. To, to work Turn up on time, know your lines and yeah, don't be, be as good as you can be yeah. and don't be horrible yeah. to others. Yeah, yeah. Which is good, you know, for any work really. Well, of course it is, <laughs> yeah. You know, hopefully. Um, and then just saying, can I can I do that? What can yes. I do? Can I do that? Can I, you know, I want to do more yeah, of so that. How do you look, because uh, on the one level you want to constantly be getting better and and bigger roles and bigger challenges. But is there a process of, and when do you become aware of the process of, I guess, knowing where you fit in the scheme and when you've, you know, when you've bitten off, when, you know, the right amount to chew? I just or, chew. I'm terrible. Yeah, I am. I am <laughs> yeah, I don't. I've, I've been known, there have been times where I've been rehearsing <laughs> and performing like three plays at the wow. same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This did. fascinates me about it because I don't actually understand how I don't either mate I just that could work <laughs> there was there was at one stage I was rehearsing a play here doing a show called Hotel which we'd devised and was going around the festivals and doing a a Dave Armstrong um, show called Le Sud which was on at the same festivals at the same time so mm. 
I was rehearsing here, then we took sort of the weekend off. I went up to Tauranga, we did the comedy show for an hour and a half, then I got in a taxi, drove down the road, got and <laughs> did this intimate piece of one room, single room theatre yeah. three times. So, you know, it's, mm. it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I, get, I mean, I guess in saying that, we all have our version of that. I, yeah. you know, as soon as I said, I, I can't, can't understand how you do that, I realise I've had times in my life where, I, you know, when I wrote a book... I had just had a baby, had a full-time job, was freelancing on site, and I wrote a book. And I look back now at, at myself and go, I could not, you know. Yeah. Fortunately, I don't think I was on Facebook then, so that helps. But, <laughs> you, you know, like, I just think, fuck, how did I do that? Yeah. But I did it. And so someone else might go, well, I could never have done that. Yeah. But that they had you, their version of it, too. Yeah, everybody's yeah, yeah. got those sort of things. And yeah, you, yeah. that's... But I am still fascinated about it because, like, it, 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 to me, it requires, a, I imagine, a pretty special version of like for me when I was doing my thing where I felt like I was doing loads was all driving in one direction but I feel like there's a, a pretty special level of compartmentalization that's going on for you to because I, I just imagine and I'm sure anyone who's never acted before does too when you're learning lines for a play but you've already learnt these other ones like where does it all fit do, they, do you find yourself saying the wrong thing one night you know or in your head going shit don't say that don't say I, that. No, it's, <laughs> and it's, you probably do the first time well yeah you. exactly I mean yeah. while you're learning the lines but yeah. once you're actually getting it's it's like learning the lyrics to a song learning mm-hmm. a song you can't you can't sort of get two songs wrong if you mm-hmm. know them both because mm-hmm. there's a natural progression and, mm. and certainly with theatre there's a physical body memory of when you're standing you know mm. yeah there's a rhythm to yeah, it there's space. a rhythm yeah, there's yeah, yeah. There, um, much uh, you know different from film and television mm-hmm. film and television I always find as a, you know doing most of my work in theatre is always there's a level of tension about it for me because it's it always feels under rehearsed and you don't have that comfy blanket of mm. having the body rhythm of what's happening right yeah so yeah so you've yeah. got to do all that work by yourself Mm. alone mm. and then to enable yourself to have that freedom when you're on and, a set you know and theatre there's I mean not just the way this theatre is run but all theatre to me there's a uh, you know a team sort of philosophy around it all yeah. one way or another yeah. and so you, you feel an ownership of you know your part and your little part on the stage mm. whereas walking onto a set that you're, you're never going to feel especially as a day player you that's go what I mean, on and you're like I don't know anybody and maybe when you're Tom Cruise or whatever but you know or, or if you're the director as well as the yeah. actor but uh, for most people you're um, it's you're never going to feel like you own any part of that process no, you're, just, yeah. you're just happy to to be banking a check and well yeah gigs are gigs are gig, yeah, yeah, gig yeah, you know yeah. but I mean certainly when you go on to a, you want to have that feeling of preparation but you do have to ask the question you do have to go you know I'm talking to this person there's one particular thing that I'm thinking of whereas I just sort of walked in I had this script with all these names on it it's like I don't know are you guys important yeah. in the story at all because <laughs> yeah I, I only got my episode or yeah, whatever yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know wow um and the other thing I, I I've noticed because I've seen your stuff here at Circa quite a lot and you know, been to, you've been in a few things this year, and, I, and I've been coming along to them. I like the fact that you will be the, the, I guess the lead part or one of the strong main leads in something, and then you're a much smaller part in the scheme in something else. Mm. Um, I get that you, part of that is just 
finding work and taking what happens but also it strikes me that there's probably again a, a sort of rhythm to that that you can't be always on being the well, certainly the lead for the, person I think for a whole the boredom of the audience well, more than anything. There well, there's that, that too. You know, I, I was going to say you're probably fighting some version of a vanity where you're like, no, cast me, but make, you know. But well, but there isn't there. I mean, it depends. The roles there's only roles that are suitable for you. Like you can't mm-hmm. be with how I look, how I sound, how I move, how mm-hmm. I perform. Is there's you know there's an area that I can't. Like, hopefully, I'm as versatile as I can be. Mm-hmm. But um. To me, it's about the play. So mm. if the play is... Well, if if you get a job, that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. But if it's a good play as well, then you're, you're serving the play, whatever your role is in it, mm. you mm. know? And, um, so, you know, there are no small parts. <laughs> um, it, it is, to me, that's there is an element of truth. Only, with, only small bank accounts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aside from anchoring, it's sort of... It? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it is sort of... The play is the thing and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how many plays and uh, uh, corporate events and, and pieces of work do you sort of bank before you move into a writing or a directing or, you know, a non-acting gig? When do you feel confident to... I've done a bit of directing. Mm. Um, next year I'm directing a play here on the main stage, just a two-hander with Simon Leary and uh, Andrew Patterson. It's written by Joe Musafir. It's a play called Problems, which I'm really looking forward to. Mm. So I guess now. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? okay. So that's the first big, big... Yeah, the yeah. first sort of... I mean, I've always... I actually went to Unitech as a director and then dropped out of that and was an actor. Right, yeah. Um, so I did, you know, directed stuff. The writing thing is harder for me because I'm still in that stage of never finishing anything because I self-edit and go, this is crap, nobody but wants you, what, to see this. So what's the process there? Do you have, like... Character sketches, monologues, yeah, and single <clears throat> bits and pieces, or is it, uh, yeah, I'm I with like when I'm doing a project which perhaps is devised or something like I was talking about mm-hmm. hotel, we wrote pieces for that. I feel very comfortable doing that for my own voice, mm. and because it's part of a collaboration, and because it's part of a collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, with the pantomime, there's a lot of collaboration which goes mm. on in that, and ad-libbing and improvisation, improvisation yeah, and that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff but there is a lot of collaboration and, and workshopping that happens early on in the rehearsal mm-hmm. rooms with those things and you know and then you get to be a little bit meta with that too like <laughs> uh, you, you, um, when I came to the this year's pantomime there was I can't remember who it was I think it was Simon but mm. there was a, re- a reference on stage to being the person that wrote that line after yep. a particular line failed or <laughs> it didn't fail yeah. it was a very <laughs> successful line the audience may have groaned yeah. and we may have lancied on that for a wee while yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so you get, to, you get to have that fun though like, yeah, 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 yeah 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 it does get it gets a bit and better that, and yeah but that, yeah that's a version of what I'm getting at is that is a version of writing yeah you know it's on yeah. the spot writing as well as yeah. it's performance and Simon is an, an expert at that he is wonderful with um that sort of reincorporative he, stri- he strikes me as um, uh, something of a rising star yeah. oh yeah he's, he's fantastic and a wonderful warm human being one of my best mates he's lovely yeah. um, it, in fact the whole cast is, is fantastic this year it's, it's lovely to work with that sort of group you know well it's um, I mean by the time people hear this, it'll be right near the end of its run, and I think it's all sold out now, isn't it? Yeah, so we don't, don't come. To, you don't want don't, to come to that rubbish. <laughs> we don't need to do a plug for <laughs> no, it. No, no. But it has, I mean, I saw it, and I enjoyed it, and I've talked to a few 
you know, other parents who have primarily gone yeah. along to take their kids and gone, actually, you know, the kids kind of liked it, but we liked it more. You know, they, <laughs> they're getting a lot out of it, which is not to say their children didn't like it, yeah. but, but just the way that a good panto should work, I guess, is on two levels. Yeah. And this one seems to be really hitting that stride yeah. perfectly where... Well, yeah, there's, the, the whole I mean, adult level is being enjoyed, and it, and again, it's that company thing with sort of Jeff Kingsford Brown and and Bronwyn Today, mm. wonderful warm people, and in the sort of senior roles, and then mm. the two, you know, the, the four young leads, mm. and, and those guys. Yeah, it's that, a really nice mix of mm. of experience, mm. experienced players. But on again, that, it know, is just levels. that you you learn to work with people, yeah, and you yeah. learn to trust and, yeah. and go with it. So that that and now, when you first. Um, Dragged up for the Dame role of the Panto mm. six or seven years ago, I guess it was. Uh, something like that. Yeah, did, something you, like that. did you and did you think, oh, well, this will be me every year? <laughs> you know, no, like, I did not. Um, and it, it is it, a, it's both stri- a curse and a blessing yes. at the same time. Yeah, I bet. I was going to say, it strikes me as a, as a, as a type of self-inflicted typecasting or something. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that, I mean... It will be part of my legacy, if you, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, totally. Um, and that is, uh, I sort of try and look for a better gig every year. <laughs> yeah, make it's yourself really unavailable. Hard yeah, to yeah, get yeah. a good gig around Christmas. <laughs> Uh, and well, that, this, let's be fair though it is a good gig for it's an a fantastic gig you know, you, absolutely it is I know uh, what you're saying yeah, like in it's terms just of that moving on and doing something I've else. done that yeah, yeah. Um, but working Susan Wilson and Michael Nicholas Williams Susan Wilson's the director and Michael mm. Williams is the um, uh, musician slash composer sometimes arranger yeah arranger yeah. and um, uh, We've, it's a great team. Yeah, yeah. So we know each other shorthand now. Yeah, And yeah. I feel a loyalty to them as long as you know those guys yeah, are yeah, doing yeah. it. I don't want it. And this year's one's been so successful that I mean, obviously they've all been successful. Otherwise, mm. I would have stopped earlier. But this one's been so successful that clearly next year's one's already part booked. And yeah, it's lined up. That's it's that's happen. right. And that I think there's an assumption that. Um, Certain people will be taking part, which <laughs> yeah. um, is is fine, and um, because while it is, without being a real wanker about it, wearying as far as that sort of sad clown thing, yeah, yeah. I do sort of sit there in the makeup and look into the mirror, going. <sighs> and and there's a horrible thing. I could have, been, I could have still been in radio. Yeah. I, could, <laughs> no. I could have been riding on a dolphin. <laughs> yeah, but there's that that stuff of. Um, there's a, you know, the, the stand-up comedian who judges his audience because they're laughing too much thing. I get that mm. as well. Mm. Saying too much, Simon. <laughs> where I'm just like, why are you laughing at this? Yeah, yeah. This is just the shtick. But it is on the other side of that, when you do have the kids and the families, and we had a fantastic night a couple of nights ago, probably the most fun I've had doing any of them ever. Right. We had the, these kids from the Royal Society there, about 47, brainy, smart, 17 through 20-year-old, you know, mm. students and and doing that. And there was a, a family that just wouldn't shut up, which were fantastic <laughs> kids, the mm. mum and the dad, and just, it was just mayhem. Mm. And, you know, we just went right off script four or five times. I'd left the yeah. room at one point and a half and, because <laughs> Jeff Kingsford Brown had said he liked the woman better than me. And, you know, yeah, just, yeah. 
it was really everybody was there to play. Yeah. And and that's sort of that complicity with the audience is the most fun everybody can have out of mm-hmm. it. Is that everybody knows that this is just a game we're playing together for yeah. an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um that's the most fun. You're all going to cross the finishing line at the same yeah. time. And, and, and it's, we're, idea, we're, right, we're all yeah, making yeah. this together. It's yeah. not something that we've prepared for you to sit quietly and watch. It's Yeah, I was thinking that when I when I watched um, this year's one, I was thinking the worst thing that can happen for you guys, and I, I, I guess somewhere along the line there's always going to be someone that plays along and enough people, but yeah. like not just a, 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 you know, a less than full house, but like an audience that does not get pantomime at all yep. would, be, as, would be the most and excruciating we, challenge in that role, right? And like, we do get those. And Does it still happen each season? Like yeah, it does. Of, it, again, usually in January, it, it's when we the do festive the... festive things died down. The festive things died down. This yeah. is where people come to see that it's sort of a tradition now. They mm-hmm. come to see the panto to have that Christmas. Mm. Christmas has begun. It's the holidays. Mm. In January, sometimes you get an audience where there are parents who are like, what are we going to do with our kids tonight? Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll take them to that. They can mm. watch that kid's show yeah, and then yeah, we can sit there and that'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. And that's hard. Yes. And they it's they sort of, they do themselves a disservice because it means that we just have to do the lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what you get is... Yeah, yeah, just the lines. Just the lines. Yeah, you yeah. don't get any of that game. Mm, mm. Um, I'm very interested. Um, my son Oscar is... Come, going along to it again He's to, <laughs> tomorrow night so he um, is so excited to be going a second time And but he's I wonder I just um, you know I'd kind of like to be a fly on the wall like he's going to go with his grandparents which is great and I imagine he'll probably sit between them and his face will mostly twist between the two of them he'll be wanting to make sure that they're watching it but you know he's he's just turned six and he just got such a kick out of it mm. and it was cool to sit because last year he was a bit sort of frightened by it yeah I mean, he was less than impressed with the end result too, but yeah. <laughs> that, that, that which was funny. But you know, I think he was actually just about this year. Mm. He had it, it was kind of like he'd banked that first experience. Yeah. So he was on board from the word go. But yeah, you must get some pretty. Um, yeah, you must get a bit of repeat business, like a, a few people that come along more than once. To yeah, absolutely, season. absolutely. Or we book do. it in as an annual thing. You know. Yeah, like that, there is know. a there is a boy who brings. Uh, and I don't know his name, but he brings, since he was about eight, his birthday every year, he's brought five or six of his mates to the panto, mm. and he's now 13. Wow, what a cool thing Every to year yeah. they come to the panto, the same bunch of kids, and they're a bit, this year they were a bit too cool for school. <laughs> right. They just... didn't quite believe in fairies as much as I wanted them to. <laughs> um, but there's... Yeah, and and there's there's one young woman, uh, Celia McDonald, who who is a sort of is a, she's a fabulous actor and is going to train at NADA, uh, NASDA, NASDA, and um, she has she comes to the show quite often and brings her sister, mm. and when she was a kid, she was the shouty girl. Right, there's always some yeah, kid yeah. who shouts too much, yeah, yeah. and they call them the shouty girl or the shouty boy or whatever, and then this. Now it's her sister, her younger sister, who's doing it. So it's yeah. it's that sort of a privilege and an honour, yeah, yeah. but also frightening yeah. that people yeah. have been coming for that many years. Well, I'm I'm worried that like 
part of the blessing, curse, and legacy of you in the panto role is that it's going to dominate the podcast as well. That oh, you, it is. You, moment, you know, so let's yeah, move on. So let's move on unless there's any final thoughts no, on that. Because I don't. Gosh. I mean, yeah, exactly. You're, you're, <laughs> I can come and see you again in a year, and we can talk about next year's panto uh, that you're yeah. already being dress fitted for. Um, so you, it's been a busy, good year this year. There's been mm. lots of good things, and you've been in a, in, a, in, a, in a few of them. And one of the things I was going to say that Circa does well when we were talking about experimental and, you know, developing works too, is bring things back. Mm. And, um, you know, that play Weed uh, was a good example of something yeah. that, I mean, I didn't see the original, but and it felt pretty relevant <laughs> right now, yeah. which is a really clever trick yeah. of theatre, isn't it, to be able to bring something back after 20 years or however long. Yeah, and there's a, it's a bit meta in that as far as the mm. heart of it is the... The theatre's now so old that it's starting to have celebrations. I think that the year mm. before that was uh, we did Joyful and Triumphant was another big success for Circa many years ago, and that sort of came back to you know mm. um, probably with less relevance, but in more of a celebratory thing for the forty years of Circa, mm. and mm. then this time it was thirty years of the of Tact, which is the Theatre Artist Charitable Trust, which is sort of Circa's main funding body for actors, mm. and. Um, so yeah, weed was much more relevant, and mm. certainly with mm. more so, I think, with the economic sort of outlook things than than the actual yeah, yeah, yeah. topics. But um, and I think you got uh, and um, you know you talk about enjoying that first laugh you got, and you know way back, I think like you must have enjoyed that opening monologue that your character oh, yeah. got to do. Well, it's archetypal, that, wasn't it? That that's like could have worked as a standalone piece. Yeah. I mean, that's like. That made me think of like the golden days of McPhail and Gadsby, or yeah. something like something Absolutely. they could have. Written. You could see David McPhail standing yeah, up and nailing John, something like that, or John Clark, yeah, or all of those. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's of that um, standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you got to open the show every night with that. And that that colloquial New Zealand yes. writing we don't get a lot of. Well, somehow, and certainly the Parkius yeah. side of it, you know, yeah. that rural. Well, that's because we're simultaneously proud and embarrassed about yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah, you know. And, and the only guy who's <laughs> ever mastered it really was John Clark, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of yeah. in smart, but smart but dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice and dumb. Yeah. So um, let's go back to when you're sort of first getting into this caper. What, um, what, what's your, what's your really triumph? You know, when do you <laughs> was or are you still hoping for that? Yeah, Sorry, like, yeah. yeah. When no, will it come? Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, what's your what's your first like? Oh God, I haven't. You know, you talk about the sad clown panto moment. What's your what's your first sort of opposite of that? Of like, you know, almost wanting to like kind of punch the mirror and scream yes. You know. Well, I guess it. I mean, <clears throat> it's. I mean, it's a, a slow progression. You sort mm. of amateur dramatics and that sort of stuff. With you know, doing something like. West Side Story was yeah. a dream, you know, to be yeah. a jet and yeah. do all of that sort of stuff when I was 16, uh, 17, I don't, can't remember. And um, then we, uh, when we graduated drama school, we took a show, uh, directed and sort of we partially devised this piece and took it down to the Hamilton Gardens Festival from mm. Auckland and that was, you know, wonderful to sort of be providing work for other actors and mm. to sort of do that side of it. Um, and, and then <laughs> I guess the first show I did here, a show called This Lime Tree Bar, which is beautiful, economic and piece, these sort of interlinking monologues of these three dodgy Irish guys, 
um, the sort of byline was um, lock, stock and two battered sausages, I think was the, <laughs> but, you know, they had that feel about it and mm. fish and ship robbery gone terribly wrong. And um, uh, then sort of coming out, because I didn't know what to, and then all of a sudden you sort of, the opening night you come out and there's, it's like Jeanette McDonald and Ian Fraser mm, and... Mm. That's when I was like, oh, what have I got myself yeah, into yeah, yeah, now? Yeah. There's these, you know, national icons. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Sort of going, Absolutely. that was wonderful. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. Um, I still get a kick out of being in the circle audience and seeing people like that oh, in, the, <laughs> in the audience. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just in a couple, I just think, great. That's, you know, like, I mean, mm. you know, whoever it is. But I just, I love, I don't, I don't just mean in a sort of celebrity spotting mm. way. I just think, wow, you just—it's nice to feel part of, to feel connected with those people, and also to, I think, also to see, you know, and people like say Ray Henwood and mm. so forth, to see that they still care about this stuff, yeah. which of well, course they do. But yeah, it's, fanatical yeah, more yeah, so yeah. than probably our generation. Yes. We sort of go, yeah, yeah. this is their existence yeah. and yeah. passions and well, madnesses got, and all of those things. We've got too many competing mediums yeah. now too for a start yeah. haven't we yeah there's lots of things to and that's you know apparent every day and, and certainly when you're putting on theatre mm. but it's also you know the support you get from being based in Wellington the politicians coming along yeah 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 sort of you know yeah seeing the mayor Bill English making me yep. pouring me a cup of tea or whatever yeah, yeah, after yeah. a show and yeah. you know that sort of stuff and you're mm. sort of going I didn't never thought I'd mm. Mm. I don't understand what's going on. And it's, yeah, I was going to, well, if you can't, you know, put food on the table, you can at least feed the soul. And there's sort of something in that, there though, is, right? Yeah, like, there, you know, obviously, right. obviously you've got to, you know, look after your family and, mm. and, and you do. But, um, you know, there is something in that, isn't there? Like yeah. I was talking to um, Adam McGrath from the Eastern and mm. he said, I was talking to him like off, off record about something and he said... Um, he said something about doing a corporate thing, and he and he said, oh, "I take I always take Barry Saunders' um, advice, which mm. is, you know, I sing for my supper and I sing for my soul, and I just sort of want the, you know, the record to reflect. Hopefully, that, yeah. you know, the balance needs to be there. Hopefully, I'm singing for my soul a little bit more. But when you do need to sing for your supper, there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing. I don't see no. anything. So I, yeah, it, and you strike me as some, you know, I guess in a very much an acting embodiment of that. Mm. You know, you, you probably don't love every single gig that you go out and do. But no, you, you can't. You can't. But and you shouldn't yeah. in a way. No. And it, it will become very bland if you mm. do invest mm. that much into things, mm. I think. But mm. um, you do come across special ones. But, the it, it, again, it's it's a job the same as, you know, mm. anything, you know. Mm. I tiled a really nice bathroom the other day, but this mm. one was a bit <laughs> crappy, you know. It's yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the type of it's it's a job the same as any other. It yeah. just sort of has this weird ethos and this weird communion with the audience and mm. and um, the sort of you know coming from all the religious mm. ceremonial stuff that, that mm. is sometimes imposing to people who've never been to the theatre before. You know. The, mm. Now your partner's a. A playwright? She does. She's written uh, a couple of plays. Um, she is an actor. She um, right. She's an actor as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she d she does a lot of writing and and um, uh, and uh, and and acting. But she, at the moment, her main focus is uh, when my daughter was 
uh, eight, she said, I want a pony. And I said, I can't afford to buy you a pony. You're going to have to save up and buy one yourself. And the little cow did. So <laughs> uh, that's basically Gina's whole existence at the moment. Is, pony class. Is pony class. So Michaela's yeah. now 15 yeah. and um, nearly, nearly 16. And it's sort of, I don't know, actors, or two actors' wages. It's very <laughs> hard to... Oh, yeah, now I need a four-wheel drive oh, to show the horse float to take it to the... I'm surprised you just didn't dig out the old horse suit and go oh, opposite the end of it, you know, and just, right. here's your pony, would, love. Just, Gina would be at the front and I'd be the yeah. arse end, I'm sure that would be the way. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, so very proud of Mika. You can't begrudge her because she did. She actually did save yeah. up like six grand. Yeah. And as a kid, I would never have saved up any mm. money ever. God, I haven't done that as an adult. No, I, I, no. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I look but, forward to the day yeah, when I can, I can save up five and a half yeah, grand in the yeah, savings account. Yeah, What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. exactly. So that's that is, and and because I mean Gina's sort of looking at um, Michaela, and she's fifteen, sixteen now, and she's this knock on wood, perfect teenage <laughs> young girl mm. with a bit of attitude, a bit of humour, mm. and lots of love and uh, good work ethic, and all these crazy things that I don't know how we managed to convince her to be yeah. um but so she's sort of going it's only three or four years and then she's yeah. out of here yeah, you know yeah. so Gina's spending a lot of time yeah with Michaela which yeah. is fantastic and they you're um not worried about your kids following in your footsteps or you no. want them to or they're not interested no, no they're, they're not interested my my eldest daughter Caitlin who lives with her mum at the moment in Tokyo um is right up into cosplay and um avengers and that right. sort of stuff but not anything. yeah I was, and do they i was going to say do they have any appreciation for what you do in terms of like being interested in it or uh, yeah it swings and roundabouts i think yeah. it's the same do, as any yeah yeah kid. yeah has um, its moments where i think i can remember michaela saying at one point you know i was like oh, i said that person over there was you know can't, I can't remember who who I was talking about, but somebody was like, "That's a, you know, that's a celebrity." They're on, they're on, and she's like, "Yeah, but are they are they famous? Famous? Like, are they John Key famous?" <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Oh, no, they're not. They're probably not John Key famous, yeah, yeah. Um, or infamous, as the case may be." Yeah, but, <laughs> but so that level of meh, mm. meh, mm. she's like. Um, She's she's wonderful. Like she's a perfect teenager as far as she's like, go and do your work, whatever that work yeah, is whatever that it you're is. doing, that <laughs> thing you do, and then you know. But she will come and see a piece or something, and if yeah, she yeah. does like it, she will be, you know, yeah, yeah, very complimentary or whatever. Yeah, about yeah, it. yeah. Um, and what's um, how in advance do you have to have a big part of your year book? booked out you know like for you to obviously things come up and you go and grab them but do you, you how does it work have you gone oh well I need to have three or four you know play roles for the following year or yeah you sort and then of maybe do. pick up one or two as well or yeah. whatever like how does that you sort of you sort of do you sort of got to hunt for like you say three or four three or four play roles mm. I mean you can't hunt for film and television that just it turns comes up at the worst dark. possible yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Usually, like you know, usually it's it's in the middle of a season yeah. or something else. And <laughs> yeah, you can either sneak away on your day off, or yeah. you can't, and you yeah. have to turn it down. That's right. Yeah. Um, but filling up your schedule with that, and then if there are gaps, going and saying to you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to sort of go to 
Fitzgerald and say, is there, are there any teaching slots that mm. you need? Or going to Capital E and saying, you know, how mm. can we, what can I do? Mm. So there's, there's lots of opportunities. And I do a bit of voice work, which is always nice for half an hour. And then, mm. you know, that pays sort of a week's worth of rent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. But there's lots of... Living in Wellington is such... And I, I think by the amount of slightly North American accents which are starting to turn up mm. and, around film and television and, and uh, theatre in Wellington, it's the secret's getting out there. But there are so many weird little opportunities to... I do um, motion capture out at Weta Digital. Mm. So wearing dot suits, being a monkey for one of the monkey films, you know, for, mm, mm. which is basically wallpaper at this stage is, is such a strange thing that they do because um, <clears throat> I, the first time I did it, I was, uh, it was for Tintin yep. and they were sort of reshooting a bunch of scenes and I'd never done anything like it before, but they sort of, they auditioned for this strange, just strange unnamed pieces of script or whatever. And I went out to do it with, um, Paul Yates and a couple of other guys and, and it's like Steven Spielberg's on this big monitor going, hey Gavin, how are you? <laughs> I'm like, what happened? I grew up in Glenfield, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then getting to play the Thompson Twins and Pirates and mm. on this weird, do you know that much about the motion capture stuff? There's oh, the, I mean, I know what it is. No, yeah. I mean, I, so and it's I just a big of, piece yeah, of yeah. carpet with yeah. lots of sensors in the ceiling and mm. And these, it's like playing when you were six because you yeah. can't see anything. There's nothing there. There's yeah. no set. Yeah, um, yeah, you yeah. can see sort of PlayStation 3 renderings of what you're doing on monitors to give you sort of spatial stuff. But it's but you're supposed to imagine yourself in that yes. in that world, whatever that world is. Playing a more whist. Can we have more whist in your monkey for this bit? Do you <laughs> get things like that? Yeah, but more wistful, please. A bit more wistful. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's strange, but it's always fun doing that because yeah. it's just sort of messing around. Yeah, and it, 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 I guess it reminds you of what you got into it for, in, yeah. a, in a way, com, yeah. you know, compared to some other things that are a bit more yeah. grunt work. Yeah, I mean, the, and it is, there is, it's all care, no responsibility doing mm. that stuff because, like I say, the, in the first stuff, they were actually capturing your facial recognition and that, so there was acting required mm, and mm. lines to be said and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of the stuff nowadays that... Um, you're like a physical well, I, marker or something. Well, like, you, yeah, you're, yeah. Do, you're, you're more sort of... They need There's a track that's been left in the shot and yes. they need some monkeys to cover, to cover that up, up, please. Yeah, so yeah. can you... <laughs> You know, yeah, you just yeah, yeah. sort of position yourself on the front. Yes, you go along going, I'll, I'll do my best at, at whatever this is, but ultimately someone's going to make you make it even better for you because yeah. you're just part of a process. Well, all you need yeah. to do is yeah. literally provide the movement so mm. the animators don't have to spend hundreds of hours animating mm. it. Mm. So they've got skins, they just put it on, you you know, mm. monkey one through a thousand or whatever. Mm. And, Amazing. And there it is. They yeah. use you to colour in the screen. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. Um can you tell me about a time when you had a disaster on stage or someone had a disaster on stage in a performance that you were in and through and how often does that like a like a real blowout because I mean I, I I've got to admit when I come to the shows here I expect to see good things and I pretty much always do and a little part of me wants to see a little bit of a car wreck wants to see a little bit of a mistake because <laughs> well because I think it's a really nice way of being reminded that you know it's what you were saying before if you if if you 
run the same performance the whole time, it becomes bland. Mm. So I remember seeing that, um, uh, was it just called Central, the play yeah. last year, which, which was great. Mm. And the night that I came to it, the wine glass goes down Overnight, the table. Overnight, I was there, Tom Trevelli, yeah. and just smashed, smashed the whole thing. They covered it up yep. about as well as I imagine you could. Yep. But I just went, that's great. Like, I'm really, it kind of fully engaged me in the play. Yeah. I just went, brilliant. Like, that's out, A, that's out the way. There's not going to be another mistake tonight. Mm. And B, they improvised and covered that up and it was just very real and it almost relaxes you in a way because saying well that doesn't really matter what happens I mean they were trying to stage this version of real life and that's yeah. exactly what happens in yeah. real life so there's no way they could convince anyone that oh yeah that's in the script we were meant yeah. to do that but they did about as close as you can I, so I sometimes but, wish so they'd those put things, those more of those things in, written into yeah, stuff yeah yeah totally I think that that's part of um, when Tyker and Jermaine were doing their stuff they mm. did a lot of that sort of shtick going mm. Stuff that goes wrong accidentally. Yeah, right. Um, like those in the young ones, though, there'd be those notes for Alexi Sale that oh just, yeah. that just said Alexi comes in and does his thing for thirty seconds. Yeah. And, you know that those, <laughs> and which I is mean, pretty cool, especially for TV. That's yeah. pretty cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and did he do his stuff yeah. or what? <laughs> um, yeah, this. I mean, obviously in the panto, yeah, we push hard to go to that to try and get yes, to that will, point yes. where. It, you, the wheels can come off because yeah, otherwise, yeah. You, otherwise there's no point if you're just sitting yeah, yeah, into you it. Yeah, you don't want no a clean run through, no. through a show. So like sometimes we just come to. out and it's mm-hmm. just jibber jabber, or you know. Mm. So that's I mean that's sort of a given as part of the joy yeah. of seeing Panto. But in in the shows that are supposed to be slick and rehearsed, yeah. there's yes. um. Uh, the, well, I get the, the, the there was a show. I keep talking about the show Hotel that we, um, that, uh, it was Paul McLaughlin's company called sitespecific.co.nz mm. and they, they did a bunch of shows, one called Salon, one called Cafe, one called Hotel. Hotel was the first one and it was basically in a hotel room with 15 people sitting around the wall and stuff just happens and it was mm. sort of scored with people like Paul McLean and, and, and mm. Loop and that sort of stuff for 52 minutes. So it was like a 52 minute scored underscored play with mm. these different characters and what they might be doing in a hotel room. Heavily rehearsed, heavily choreographed because yes. people would come in and out of rooms. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, sort of the, the show would start with basically the audience would come in and sit down um, and the music would be playing and the the usher would say, thank you, enjoy the show, leave the room and they'd be sitting there with just this music playing and then... Um, a uh, woman would come into the into the room and sort of that would sort of kick it off and it was all synced in with music and um, a couple of occurrences actually but one, one night I there was somewhere in Rotorua or whatever and, and there was a piece of set all the chairs were set out in appropriate places and yeah. the audience was supposed to sit on benches but some gentleman has decided to actually <laughs> take one of the chairs from the set oh, no. and put it in front of the that window that looks like a comfy yeah, that, that, that I'll, I'll park good. myself on there and, and he was right I was sort of behind this wall outside and I would listen to my cue and then I would come bursting in through the door <laughs> shouting and swearing into this phone thing that was he was sitting there right in front of the door. I went, Boom, and the glass just shattered oh, all no. over. The- <laughs> and that was literally three minutes into this 52-minute piece. So wow. that was sort of all hands on deck as far as the show must go on. Yes. But then at the same time, other things happen. You know, yeah, yeah. other characters would be doing Sweet. stuff. Yeah, so yeah. You ju- if you're with a good group that knows each other well, you can deal with anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
another time in that show, and I wish the audience had seen that. This is in, when we were at the Museum Hotel, and there was a bit halfway through that where I was sitting with my gut hanging out with a white shirt on and a, a wraparound lava lava eating a cheese sandwich on a bed, mm. you know, because that's <laughs> what you do in these type of things. And there was a knock at the door of the hotel room, and it's like, that's not one of our knocks. What's going on? There's another knock at the door of the hotel room. So while somebody else is doing a, a monologue, I, and in full view of the audience, sort of put the plate down and went round the corner into this, the alleyway. Sadly, the audience couldn't see the front door, and I mm. opened the front door with my open shirt, white shirt, level, <laughs> and there was Rodney Soyalo was standing there, <laughs> captain, you know, sometimes captain of the All Blacks at mm. that stage, mm. and he had a bunch of drinks, and he was like, would you like, oh, <laughs> and I just let the door shut in his face, <laughs> and went back into the room, and I thought, oh, that would have been, that would have been a good, joy but... for the audience to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those, there's lots of, there's always some little things that go awry. Mm. Um, well, what's your, I mean, what's the sort of inbuilt philosophy around dealing with it and being prepared for it. I mean, you don't expect things to no. fall to bits. Like in the panto, you're a bit more open that it can happen and you've, mm. you, you, you're you on... acknowledge it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you're on a sort of a... Your mind's limber and ready to go. And you can just acknowledge it and go, well, that was a mess. Or, yeah, yeah, you know. exactly. But so in a non-panto thing, mm. um, in a very heavily scripted play, I mean, you know, and I think, like, imagine something, you know, in Weed... Or anything a bit more comedic. Mm. There's because actually, I think the night I came to weed, there was uh, well, again, that was written into it, wasn't mm. it, with the pool table thing? Yeah, that yeah. that's a setup. Yeah. So that's quite fun. That mm. you, that's going to be different every single yeah. night. Yeah. But but if something were to go really awry there, again, you guys would just work your way around that. Well, but in something like Anahera, yeah. that that needs to be pretty much note perfect. On, did you were there on the opening night of Anahera? No, I oh, was a little bit Wonderful, late. probably the most beautiful Today. piece of theatrical vision of imagery that I have ever seen. Mm. Well, uh, not this year, it certainly was Nina Dekazrehana standing there and there's a moment where Simon Leary and Susie Berry were talking in a scene and, and Anahera was just there sort of lit in the background, mm. Nina Dekazrehana. And she had this white robe on and she got a nosebleed on opening night and it just oh, ran down yes. her face like that and spilt blood on her chest and this the blood night I just came, started to spread on her chest. And it was... People were like, how did you do that? It was breathtaking she, and relevant and... and well, yeah, sort of, yeah, like, couldn't have been more... Stigmatorish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, the night that I came to it, there was actually a Q&A after and she mm. referenced that. So she was talking because people were saying how amazing that whole scene is with yeah. her... You know, kind of appearing there. like an yeah. angel in that you know in that particular scene, and how it's like how great the lighting is yeah. and the whole sort of thing. And then she said, "Well, this happened, and it, and it was yeah, 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 absolutely breathtaking." And yeah, and she just stood there and let herself bleed on herself for the yeah. six or seven minutes that was there. Wow. It's quite, wow. quite phenomenal. Yeah, so that's like one of those great sort of fluke joys. Yeah. I try to avoid opening night if I can. I like yeah, to sort so of come on the, the uh, second when or I'm third. performing, I try to avoid that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how does, that, how, does, how does that go? Not always that well. No, no. Um, I, yeah, no, I, I don't know what it is, but I think it's, I just quite like to, to turn up on the second or third night. Mm. And sometimes I'll come on the opening it's, night. There is there is always, and I don't care how many years you've done it on opening night, there's always a fight or flight in a performer. Right. It's yeah, that yeah. extra level of adrenaline and, and tension 
Um, I think that's part of what it was for me, was thinking, well, you know, the first night might be really great, mm. but the second or third night's a safer bet. Like, I think that's been part of my thinking over the truer years. to the actual yeah. interpretation of what people are trying to achieve, I think. And, you know, when yeah. you, once it, once the the adrenaline is gone, mm. then you're actually doing the craft. Mm. So on that opening weekend, it's there's, there's always, it doesn't matter how big your role is, and for me, actually, it's the smaller roles that freak and, me out more, like yeah, having to wait to go on. Yes, yes. <sighs> yeah, when you're in the moment of being a person who carries a play, that's yeah. just it, that's what you do. But if you've got a, a mark to hit or a moment to walk in, and you've got to nail that, the, that the pace that it's that's going. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine oh. that. And that's what I was thinking. It was, you know, that's what, when I was saying you can't obviously have the star role every time. Like, I, I feel like it's good for your chops to to be back in a yeah. tiny supporting well, role and then in a really big role and then, you know, like to be, the, to be going father, all over the map. When we did yes. The Father recently, yep. I had a smallish role in that. Yes. And, um, Another amazing play. Yeah, it's a wonderful play. But mm. uh, 38 minutes, I think, was... It started and I came on 38 minutes into, into it. it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. On on the opening so, night, I was so nervous. Nervous, yeah. Just the tension kept building to the extent of like we had to do changing scene stuff mm. in the blackouts in between. And to the extent of I came on at one point in the blackout and moved a chair um, and then realised that that wasn't the time that I was supposed to do it, and poor Harriet Preble was stuck on stage <laughs> trying to find something. She came off, and she was furious oh, with me, no. and I was like, I had to, oh, no. <laughs> and then, uh, again, in that same show, I had to walk out at one point and just stand there, and then the lights would come up and the scene would start, and I walked out to the middle of the stage and stood there, and for just the briefest amount of time, but it felt like an eternity, I thought, this is the wrong scene, mm. the lights are going to come up, and I'm just going to be standing there. So that's petrifying. Yeah, that's... But you just got to... Mistakes will happen, you know. That's amazing to sort of, like, in a good way, I think, to hear that story from you, like <laughs> someone who's, you know, done as much acting as you have for as long as you have to to have that much of a recent... Oh, yeah. situation where there's that fear because that means you're invested in it right yeah. like as well that's, that's and that, that that was one of the the most well rehearsed plays that I've been a part of would need Jeff- to be I would think well yeah, yeah, yeah. Je- Jeffrey Thomas also comes with all his lines down at the beginning in a high level straight right, away so yeah. you can't you have to match you it. have to get up to that level you have to get up to it straight away so we were that would play was run and run and run and run and run and run and run which was fantastic mm. because it meant it was all there but Still, because that's one that. of those. I don't know if there's a name for it, but uh, you know, that's one of those plays where it's absolutely a team effort, but it is all about his character. Yeah, yeah. you know, he is absolutely what are they, star. It's a tour de force. Yeah, well, basically, yeah. exactly. Like, and but but for him to achieve what he achieved in that, mm. every single one of you, some people playing more than one yeah. character. And as you say, helping with the moving the pieces mm. and stuff, like literally helping with that. You'll have to be on the whole time too. Yeah. You have to, you know, you, his oh, you performance can. would be sullied by anyone not. not and I don't know if you've met it. Jeffrey, but you wouldn't want to let him down. He's no, a, no, he's a fantastic, yeah, yeah, lovely, yeah. charming guy, but he's also got a strength of personality and that sort of manner. Uh, uh, that if you comes, want for a better word, that comes yeah. through. I, I have not met him, but I've seen him in a bunch <laughs> of things fantastic. over the years, and I, it comes through in yeah. his performances. I think, yeah, like, he's lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what? So, what's you mentioned briefly directing a play next year? What else is lined up? 
uh, for next year. Well, we finish the panto that finishes finish, in the first week or so. Yeah, finish the panto. Then I'm going to holiday. see my daughter in Japan. Yeah. Um, for ten days, which should be a treat. Yeah. Um, we went over. Gina and I went over a few years ago. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It's crazy. You've been to Japan? No, I haven't. It's crazy. Yeah, people reckon it's. Uh, it's so cool. Yeah, I'm not it's, sure how, if I want to go or not. It but I imagine I'd love it if I went there, but it's not really on my list. No, no. Um, it is this weird mix of a 5,000-year-old culture and mm. Disney postmodernism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. around every corner. It's it's like a scene from... Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know, what's the... The thing with the clones with Harrison Ford. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blade, Blade Runner. Blade yeah, Runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's exactly what I was yeah. thinking before you... That sort yeah, of yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just such a strange... Exp- but I've never... I'd, it's also... It's the... I would say the only place other than New Zealand where I've actually felt completely safe the whole time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's... Yeah. You just feel comfortable walking around. You know, yeah. there's lots of people, but nobody's applying that pressure that you get in, in, yeah. in some other now, places. A friend went there recently and, and, and told me quite a bit about just how amazing it was mm. and how, you know, it's such a meticulous system-based society, which it sort of has obviously evolved into, has yeah. needed to be because of its numbers versus yeah. its size, that everything runs pretty much. Well, and that service and ethic. People, yeah, yeah, and, and people respect just, it. Yes, and I imagine there is also sort of, a horrible sort sure, of underbelly, which sure. nobody gets to see other than the Japanese, yeah, which yeah. I, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, well, yeah. other than particular parts of history, but. Yeah. <laughs> the, the um, yeah, yeah, it's just a wonderful. The, I was going to say the yeah. Chinese saw it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, few, a few times yeah. it's been yeah. displayed, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, as far as that sort of, um, as a tourist for a mm. limited time, it's a wonderful place to, to mm. go and see. So you go on holiday and yeah. see your daughter and have a mm. nice um, have a nice time, and then plough back into work. Plough back into work, come back here. Uh, we'll be sort of getting underway with the the next season for twenty nineteen. Pictures start coming right. in, in April May. Um, uh, we will be doing. I'm I'm doing a show called The Truth, which is written by the guy called uh, uh, Florian. Oh, Zella, yeah, who yeah, wrote yeah. The father. Yeah, yeah. Um, much. It's it's very different. I mean, right, it's, he's, it's. I mean, that was my introduction to him, as I'm yeah. sure it was for a lot of people mm. here. But just on, based on that alone, he's yeah. obviously a firebrand. You know? Well, he's this horribly handsome 27 year old <laughs> Frenchman who's yeah, just yeah. written four of the most outstanding plays. Yeah, yeah. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> but he's. Uh, yeah, it's a wonderful. Much more along the lines of a French comedy, sort of like mm. uh, that movie Carnage, um, yeah. where you know the couples. Um, what is the truth, and when do yeah, you tell yeah. people the truth? Yeah. Um, apparently, his latest one, which is called Lie, he's written one: the mother, the father, truth, and lie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. Yeah. What, a, what are you trying to show off? What, what is that about? <laughs> but apparently, Lie, and I, this no spoilers, I guess, but the. Um, the rumour mill has it that um, uh, overseas, or the reviews say overseas, that uh, uh, the play finishes and you think you know what's happened. The audience, they, they bow and they go off and then there's another scene. It's like the credits oh, wow. scene. Yeah, and cool. that's the thing which makes you go, what yeah, yeah, What yeah. happened? It's great how, I mean, you know, uh, uh, that I think that's the thing we probably all look for, people that... 
act in theatre and people who mm. attend as those things that break the conventions. Yeah. And it's amazing how they're still happening. Yeah. You know, like, know. Um, what was the um, what was the recent production here? The um, uh, Doll's House. Mm. You know that the the, the finale the to door, that. Yeah. Was just because we came to that, a group of us, you mm. know, five of us went to that. And we must have talked about it for, you know, over an hour afterwards. Wow. And and probably um, mostly was around that whole scene, yeah. you know, and how everything built up to that. And yeah. how, how, what a genius move it was to essentially structure something around that. And even more powerful that it was, you know, a, a, a translation and a sort of, de, you know, yeah. a devised piece based on a famous, mm. you know, script from, you know, 100 odd years yeah. ago, like rather than a brand new, you know, that was startlingly original yeah. to do that to it. And Well, that's, I guess, what we always strive for. And I guess yeah. what Circa has quite often in the past been sort of chastised for being too safe. Mm, mm. So it's nice that, you know, people are starting to... Like talking about a mm. show for an hour afterwards for the one scene where, and that a lot of that is a credit to Kathy McRae and, and Ian Harmon, the mm. you know director and designer of that, because Ian's got this wonderful broad look at things. He did a show called um, La Casa Azul um, last year, I think it was in the studio, which is about Frida Kahlo with Kahlo mm. Corpai and Bronwyn today in it, and um, his design for that was wonderful. All those sort of La Palona death masks and mm-hmm. you know very Mexican feel. So he's got this great sort of eclectic vision of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, then I do the show Problems um, with Simon and Andrew and yeah. Ian's... The one that the you're design. directing. Yeah. yeah, it's a lovely little... It's it's a um, sort of a high-anxiety comedy, if you like. So mm. the great leader, two guards are guarding the great leader in his bedroom mm. and he's supposed to get up 15, you know, in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Mm. They go, what do we do? Then the great leader's wife calls and says, wake him up. The great leader's general calls and says, let him sleep. And they're like, huh, what do we do? They go in, he's dead. What do we do? He's, oh, we should really move the gun from his hand. He sleeps with the gun. Now there's yeah. fingerprints all over it. The gun goes off. That sounds like a sort of Woody Allen take. It's I'm, just, I'm waiting for God yeah, or something. And it, it's, it's uh, Joe Masafias, and I, I haven't seen it yet, but The Death of Stalin is, mm-hmm. features those, that image of the mm. two guards standing outside his room. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing that film because I like yeah. Amanda Inu- Inu- yeah, Inu- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that looks amazing. Um, but the, um, the premise is basically from that story of yeah. these two guards stood outside Stalin's bedroom for four hours after he had died and, mm. you know, mm. because nobody was going to take the responsibility to <laughs> yeah, go yeah, in there. Yeah. And it is, I mean, I think it's a bit of a, so there's a relevance to me for it because there's a, I'm a huge fan of history and, and of things like 1984 and that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And, you know, the more you learn about that, the more you see how yeah. easily we <laughs> yeah. can slide, certainly from where we are right now yeah, in the world, to, back to, into, we think this has been, mm. we think that democracy and, and liber, you know, liberalism has been around forever. It certainly has not. Mm, and mm. it can quite easily go back the other way. Also, uh, I, I sort of think, you know, like much as a lot of people will think that, you know, this year and last have been particularly strange and hellish. Mm. They're, they're kind of, they're not that weird really when you can still write about them on your phone, oh, you know, no. whenever you want. Like, it's yeah, when, yeah. you know what I mean? It's when yeah. you can't do that. that well, and, but that can <laughs> not happen. That, not that that's solving anything, no, by no, the way, no. but, yeah. but it's when you can't do that at all. And you're right, what you're saying is yeah. the slide to that. Can happen. Can quite. happen really, really quickly, mm. and has. I mean, uh, 
most of the time when I when I'm listening to podcasts, I'm listening mm. to history things. Mm-hmm. Dan Carlin and so history of Rome, and there's a series called Revolutions, and mm. so learning about the French Revolution and how quickly that pendulum swung back and forwards between, you know. I can see listening to podcasts being quite a good um, component of um, an acting life of, you know, downtime and, you know. Yeah, it's certainly. To and from rehearsals. All of that, absolutely. It's a good 20-minute episode about one day. Break from learning lines, bit of research, you know, bit of, you know, deep background research, all of those things. It does all inform, and certainly podcasts and listening to, if you are playing a person or a character Mm. that has any base or or a time period or whatever, Mm -hmm. there's always someone who'll be from, you know, having a chat about it, and it's. Yeah, it's fascinating to listen to. So you've you've managed to survive and uh, doing what you do, and so no plans to to change it. It sounds like um, with the directing a, a, a play on the big stage at Circa next year, you're going deeper into into what you do in some ways. I, you know, you're broadening and, yeah. and 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 opening yourself up for. I mean, like. Okay, do you, I mean, I know you read reviews because you told me you did. Uh, well, you only read, your you read, sons. I mean, you read my son's review, <laughs> which is fair enough because it was a pretty good one. But yeah, so was it, dude? Based, based on that, I know you read, I need, sorry, I know you read reviews. Yeah. Um, but do you read reviews? Have you read reviews? I, I always imagine you can't avoid them these days because even if you're not that interested, someone pokes it under your nose. I, yeah, I, I don't. You try I not do, to. I do. No, I do read reviews because I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Did you? No care? offense. <laughs> no, no, no. You but shouldn't. it's sort of I actually disbelieve, and that classic sort of horrible New Zealand ethos of going, I disbelieve the nice ones and tend yes. to, yeah. you know, yeah, take yeah. more. I was going to say, do you? But was there a time when you did care? There must have been. Oh yeah, a, a first I'm or sure, second yeah, or when even you get something time. saying yeah, you're yeah. great. You're like, yeah. I mentioned my name. Yeah, thing. yeah. Well, what I, what, what, where I'm going to with that is I wonder how much more you will care and be concerned about reviews of you as a director. Uh, uh, yeah, good point. I mean, certainly... Sorry. No, no. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. Thanks <laughs> for bringing that up. No, great. <laughs> so I look forward to it. Um, <laughs> I... I'll just send Oscar. Yeah, just yeah. send Oscar. <laughs> oh, no, might, not, right. quite, might quite not quite be appropriate. <laughs> no, um, uh, it certainly... As a director, I feel more nervous because I don't have the control. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, but not over, not over a review, but on opening night as a director, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just try to get intoxicated in it with whatever <laughs> yeah. device I can manage. Um, because there is, I'm, it's not me doing it, mm, mm. and if they mess it up, it's it's like, and not necessarily they're messing up the play, but trying to look after those actors. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it strikes me as a particularly, I mean, I've only just thought to articulate it now and you saying that, that directing live theatre is, is a beast of a thing because the director is seen as the person in charge and there's no way you are actually you're in charge of everything leading up to you are and but you're but not you even are, then it's no, really the you're a herder to me I, yeah I see Aren't the you? director's role as helping the yeah. performers to bring the play to life yeah you're a coaxer and a herder yeah. though like you you, you manage you're yeah, more you're, of a manager yeah managing producing I guess whereas yeah. in film and TV yeah. the director is essentially telling the story with the editor yeah 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 after the work and they can done. call cut yeah. and they can call um, on where the, on the order of the scenes and, yeah. and whatever, and they can you know and choose the best performance cover, or whatever, yeah, do all of that. Cover yeah. things with you know extra monkeys or yeah. extra music or <laughs> you know funny. it's true. So, but 
as a director of live theatre, you, you've got to somehow stand back and, yeah, I can see why you just want to grab a bottle and, just, and you know, and see you at the end. <laughs> yeah, see you at the end, good luck. And yeah. then the play is literally theirs. That's, um, it's giving the play over to the mm. performers and then, mm. uh, you know, dragging your ego, kicking and screaming out of the building so that they can then build the piece. I did um, think about this a little bit when I watched Venus and Fur for mm. that reason because Andrew was the writer, uh, the director yes. and, and the player. Yeah. And it's just two of them on stage. Yeah. And I thought, and it's about, you know, it gets all dire- met, the it meta. It was very thing. meta with yeah. that whole thing going yeah. on. Um, Andrew is very different as well because he has a whole different ethos of theatre as far as he doesn't. Uh, and he was he, a set designer, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does. <laughs> he's certainly an, an overcommitter over, over, and God bless him for it. And an overachiever because he's excellent at it. Mm. But he, he uh, I think he calls it American no blocking blocking. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, he just says, "Let's these. This is sort of how I think the play goes. Mm. Let's just do it." Right. And so he will do. It's much more like the panto when you're working on stage with Andrew because he will do whatever right. every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in, in Weed, that was a really interesting thing as well because it was quite a structured piece. But mm. he would. His... I could see a real twinkle in his eye that I think was not just in the no, char- in the he's characters. Absolutely creating yes. his, his placement on stage or whatever. Yes. Where I, you know. I don't necessarily 100% believe in that philosophy because I think um, part of the theatrical, the eye of the director is to try and help mm. the story be told to the audience. So, so you're translating it from the page. Yeah, to and the... F- and what when your your job as an actor is to be in the piece. Yes, mm. you have stagecraft and that sort of stuff, but there are there's stuff that goes on between actors which you can't see when you're in an, when you're an actor, mm. whether it be spatial or whether it be. Mm-hmm. Just what the what the the play is asking the audience to look at may not be what you're doing. Mm. So um, I I believe in playing within a sort of a, a structured um, blocking or, or you know a shape of the play. Mm. Um, I'm not adverse to changing where you are on stage. That's fine as long as we you have a, an understanding of the rhythm within the piece. So that's mm. a really um, but when, when, once you've finished rehearsals, then the, yeah, the yeah. director needs to step out. They can come back like once a week and sort of go, that moment there is a bit weird now. Mm-hmm. But certainly I don't think it's something where you come in and say you didn't lift your hand or that yeah, point yeah, when yeah. I told you to lift your hand. And I wonder if that's, um, I guess that's, again, the blessing curse of an actor being a director, like that you, you probably, you bring all of that experience as an actor of knowing you know, how you might play something. Mm. And I guess you have that experience of, of how you've been directed, you know, the sort of notes that you have yeah. or haven't been given and whatever and how that's worked for you. But, yeah, I wonder if there's a temptation to, you know, I guess you, you're respectful of that, so that's how you'll, you'll run it. But, yeah, there could be that it could be that idea of, no, no, this is how I would do it. And so oh, that's, <laughs> I've certainly worked with directors like that. Yes, in fact, they will get up and show you what, mm. how they would do it. And mm. can you do it like this, please? Mm. And I, it's not something I subscribe to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, doesn't get a big smile from yeah, you. <laughs> it's, it's certainly, well, it doesn't, to me, it's, it's a bit disrespectful and it doesn't, yeah. everybody's a different personality type, everybody's a different performer and it's about what that person's bringing to mm, the role. Mm, mm. Yeah, and it's about, yeah, exactly. It's about, uh, I imagine it's about, coaching rather than telling you know like yeah, it's, it's about for the, it's about the play let's yeah. make the play work let's yeah, yeah. tell the story that the writer was in you know 
intending to tell whatever slant you put on it. There's this know. is this thing that I listen to Mark Maron's podcast yeah. all the time, and there's this <laughs> revelation that seemed to have hit him that that was quite funny and keeps repeating it. I think it was in his conversation with Walter Hill, it was one of the directors. Mm. I'm pretty sure it was Walter Hill, who basically said to him, you know, yeah, I don't actually really, you know, tell actors what to do. I expect them to, I expect them to arrive knowing you know what to do that's their job like, yeah and that seemed to be this amazing he thought all directors get really really involved in the performance yeah. and that's a, there's that diff, they, they still are involved in the performance because they're shaping it mm. you know but and so yeah he repeats that story all the time now which i think is quite funny but mm. i guess it's it's great that it's news to him but you know yeah. you would you would think that that's how it is but it, you know i guess that is a level of respect you still kind of hope for as an actor you're not always going to get yeah exactly and that you you're not always going to get and it does depend again you know you you know you should do your research on who your directors are as well mm, mm, you know to mm. find out what they do and and how they shape things mm, it's hard mm. to know them what their personality and what it's actually going to be like in a rehearsal room mm. but there's you know, there's a range, certainly in New Zealand, which is still quite small. As well, obviously, is very small as mm. far as the um, the places to practice professional you mm. know, performing arts. But um, there's a limited number of directors, and, mm. and you do get to know who those people are. But it it ranges from very. I can remember working with Elric Hooper, who used to run the Court Theatre for about a millennium. <laughs> um, and he was very old school autocratic, like massive, massive knowledge and vast experience. Mm. But uh, when you were standing on stage, you were not allowed to talk to another actor unless it was through the director. Right. <laughs> and then only one at a, you know, you could only solve that problem mm. one at a time. So it was very sort of meat puppety, mm. you know. Mm. Um, uh, and. So yeah, that's, that's very autocratic, which is not sort of a collaborative mm. journey. And maybe that says something about, because I'd find that a lot with the sort of very more conservative, older directors, that that, that is a way that they were trained. Mm. That is the way mm. that it used to be. And you're reading books like about Nola Miller and stuff like that. The, mm. the way people talked to each other there was much more there was less collaboration and much more sort of hierarchy in those things mm, mm. <laughs> have you got a passion piece that you are slowly working on or that you you know a perfect role that in, a, in an established work that hasn't happened here that you want to do or are you just happy working and and you might find that when it comes i uh, i when we did a show called midnight in moscow um by dean parker i started reading works by E.M. Forster mm -hmm. and this little short story um, uh, it's called um, The Machine Stops and it's very sort of it was done, it's been, you can find it on you know YouTube with mm. the sort of weird 1960s interpretation of it it's, it was written in 1901 and it's basically humans live underground and the machine controls all of their world type things but it's very I don't know there's a lot of relevance in it as mm. far as technology control and his view of and it's very steampunk mm. so I don't know mm. I've been trying to sort of pull parts and the language is so beautiful and archaic mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yet future time, yeah. you know, yeah. they sort of get in an airship and travel yeah. to yeah. the other side of the world <laughs> and things like that. So there's, I don't know, though I, I have vision, I keep having every six months or whatever, I come back and sit down and have a play with that yeah. And, yeah. and keep having visions of that in my head of, yeah. of how you would bring that to yeah, a, yeah. Wow. a show, whether it, I mean, I see it as very sort of small scale and very low tech. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd love that. It's only a very short, I think, you know, mm. very short story, but it's it's just this mm. beautiful how relationships becomes, have died and, and through technology and... Whether it becomes part of a a piece of, like, two or three pieces together. Yeah, yeah. You know, on that, on that, on that, that sort of... Mm. On like exploring say, that sort of thing. Yeah, all mm. of those sort of, those sort of ideas mm. really get me excited things like 1984 it's a shame I didn't there was a production up in Auckland apparently mm. which I couldn't couldn't go and see but that's my favourite you know, one of my very favourite books mm. because just of the language of it in it and the sort of how prescient it is yeah know. I remember being really affected by the film version of it mm. as well you know yeah. the book is great but yeah. that's that, you know I really loved the yeah. film version of that which I arrived at quite late yeah. you know and that's apparent. that's apparently based on an old Russian story, which I've sort of I've, I've read as well, which is even more strange. Right, it's right. sort of about this community where all the buildings are glass, and yeah. you know, you have sort of one hour a week you can have sex with somebody, and you just have to give them a pink slip, and they have to turn up at this time, and then the windows go darker. Right. And, you know, it's just <laughs> wow. This is pre-Soviet yeah. Union times, yeah. and all this sort of what people saw, and now that I'm learning more about history through these history podcast you can see why that was so to me it was always stunning that they saw this as a future Mm. because of you know my ignorance about world history and that sort of stuff but then Mm -hmm. if you take it back to this is only 50 years before everyone was there were kings and queens and absolute rulership you know Mm -hmm. so the pendulum could go anyway at at that stage Mm. I guess it it did with world war one and two and communism and democracy and things yeah yeah hey um we've had a good old chat is there anything you wanted me to ask is there anything you wanted to put across that we haven't talked about no thank you i've had great fun yeah yeah it's been a real pleasure to meet you and and you know i've said this to you before but i really i've really enjoyed your work i guess over quite a few years but i feel like um this year's been and i've said it a couple of times this year's been an amazing um set of seasons for Circa I think I've I've enjoyed everything that I've seen and and you've been in a handful of those great thank you very much let's hope we do our best for 2018 yeah exactly and say hello to Oscar oh I will (laughs) (laughs) it's part of my job (laughs)